Hey guys, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast, where you will be inspired, encouraged, and transformed with powerful teachings and real stories of mental health. This podcast is not a substitute for counseling. If you are in a crisis, call or text your local crisis center or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Jesus is in our mental health, and freedom is where we start. I am your host, Heidi Mortensen, licensed marriage and family therapist. Get ready. Today's show is going to bring you hope. Hello, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. I am your host, Heidi Mortensen, licensed marriage and family therapist. Thank you for listening to the show and stepping on board with me. I'm excited to have a guest with me, Rafe Ronning. And he is actually a friend and pastor. He's married to a therapist. And he has a church here in Minneapolis, where I am from, and has a very powerful testimony, um, really operates in deliverance and inner healing. And I'm super excited to have him on. So hello, Rafe. Hello, Heidi. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And I just want to let everybody know, um, I do have a little bit of cold, so that's why my voice sounds this way. So I pray that it's not a distraction for anyone, but really just pray for the fruit of this podcast to benefit you all as what Rafe has to share is really significant. And I think very significant for the time that we're in right now. Um, so Rafe, go ahead and kind of share about yourself and, and then we can get into your testimony. Sure. Well, as you said, I, I currently pastor a church called Truth and Freedom Church. I launched that in November of last year. So we've been up for about six months. And prior to that, I worked at Teen Challenge for 10 years as a counselor. And uh, I was the ministry school director there for seven years. Prior to that, you know, I had a, a background in addiction. I was, you know, chronic alcoholic into my late 20s, early 30s, and I finally had an experience um, in treatment in 2003 where I got, I didn't even know what it was. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken tongues, and I'd never even read the book of Acts then, but I was, um, I never drank again, and I went back to school. Right from there, I just had a sense to uh, go back to school to be a counselor, and I did that, and then I worked at that treatment center. It was called Living Free Recovery Services in Brooklyn Park. It was a Christian treatment center, and I worked there for five years. And then I left there and came to Teen Challenge, as I mentioned, for the last 10 years. So the last 15 years, I've worked in treatment centers, you know, either as a counselor or ministry school director, but counseling or ministering people in addiction. So that's what I've done for, you know, since I came out of treatment in 2003. So it's been almost 20 years, I guess, in my, you know, more my spiritual journey and ministry journey. Yeah. So were you a Christian when you went to treatment? Like, were you a believer? Uh, actually, yeah, I had a very profound experience. I mean, I've had, I don't know why God allowed them to happen the way they did, but I was raised in a nominal Methodist background. I mean, you know, church was boring to me. I mean, I went because my parents made me go. I was confirmed. I mean, church really wasn't my thing. Um, but I knew there was a reality to God, to supernatural things. So I was, it was never that I didn't believe, but church was no interest to me, really. Um, and as I was trying to get sober, I, um, in my journey, I was in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and that really wasn't my thing either. And 
probably in the late 90s, 99, I went to a church service at Emmanuel Christian Center. I was with a, this was before I was married, and this girl had invited me there, and uh, they just preached, and they preached the gospel. He had an altar call, you know, your typical altar call, right? We're going to wait for people to receive, and I was sitting in the back, and I'm just thinking in my mind, like, get this over with, like, I want to get out of here, and I felt like I should go down. I felt drawn, but I was too self-conscious to walk down in front of everybody because I was in the back of the church. And the pastor goes, we're going to wait another moment. There's a few more of you. And, you know, I'm in my mind. I'm just thinking, let's get this over with. And as I was looking to the front of the sanctuary, I had a vision. And I think this was the first vision I ever had. I saw Jesus and he was like 10 feet tall and he was Mm -hmm. like looking at me. And I like rub my eyes. And I'm going, what am I seeing? And like, I saw him, you know, just in my mind's eye. And, and he was like looking at me, drawing me. And I went to the altar and I gave my life to the Lord that night. And wow. it was a water baptism service. So I got water baptized. Wow. So I guess that's when officially I became a, a, a Christian. And I didn't, you know, I'm not going to say my experience is everybody's, but that experience didn't change me that much. Um, I mean, I was still drinking. I was still living sinfully. So um, really the beginning of my spiritual life, as I mentioned earlier, was probably 2003 when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. That just changed my whole world, my whole worldview. Um, It was such a powerful experience. So that's kind of when I even say I I started living a Christian life. Mm. Though technically I, you know, was saved to give my life to the Lord four years prior, but yeah, it was a very powerful experience in 2003. So that was kind of my spiritual journey. Would you say that looking back, God was pursuing you to get you to treatment so that that experience could happen? Yeah, I had a prior to this church service. Um, I tell this story a lot. I was drinking one night. I was drinking all the time. But um, this one night I was playing pool and I was waiting for a shot and this voice came in my head i mean it seemed like thoughts and this voice spoke to me and said god is who you're looking for and i I dismissed it and i was like you know because i was heavily intoxicated and i'm like man am i hallucinating or something and it came again and it came louder it said god is who you're looking for and it kind of freaked me out because i knew it wasn't being generated by my own mind and just to put it to the test i I was going to talk to it and I figure if it doesn't say anything, then I'm just kind of, I'm just drunk or something. I'm So I said, who are you? And the voice spoke to me. It said, you know who I am. And I started weeping and I said, I do. And I said, how come you only come to when I'm like this? Cause I'd had a couple of other experiences, not this profound, but again, I asked, why do you only come to me when I'm like this? And the voice goes, it's the only time you listen. I've never left you. You've only ignored me. And that was something was drawing me into, you know, the reality of God. So that probably was where it, it started to really draw me. But, you know, I still wasn't really interested in church. And people thought I was crazy when I'd tell them I, I heard, I think God spoke to me. and. <laughs> You know, you're drunk, right? God doesn't right. speak to someone who's drunk. And right. you know, I had all kinds of things people said. But that was probably one of the first times that God really started to draw me. Um, 
And, you know, I knew like something's happening here. Um, and then I would have little different experiences here and there, but that was one of the the main ones that really just opened me up to seeking in. And then tell me about how you got to treatment and how that happened. Well, how I got to treatment is I'd been sober for a season and I'd gotten newly married in 2000 and I'd gone back to drinking. This was 2003. So I had, um, me and my wife just had our second child and she was, my wife Tracy would be sleeping and every night I'd wait for her to go to bed and then I would be drinking and sometimes be doing drugs and because I knew that you know, she wouldn't get up. So I'd be doing that in the middle of the night. And one night she woke up unexpectedly and I didn't have a chance to hide it. And she came out and she looked at me with complete disgust and said, you have one week to get into treatment or I'm done with you. I'll, I'll be done with you forever. I won't let you do this to me or these kids. I'll let this house go into foreclosure. I'll move it with my parents. And it scared me to be honest, because she was really the only one who had stood by me my whole life. So she gave me an ultimatum. I ended up going to a treatment center. I checked myself into living free recovery services. And there was a whole nother um, situation there that was, um, this is just cool. So I'll tell you, I, I mean, I'm, I've had some supernatural experiences and you know, I don't have them all day, every day. But when people ask me about my story, I, I kind of give some of the very powerful ones. I was seeing this woman after I got saved, 99, as I said, and I was going to see this Christian woman. She was in her mid 60s. She was a prayer counselor at Emmanuel Christian Center. Her her parent or her children were old enough to not live in a house. So she had a big house out in Ramsey. And this woman, Dolores, was a family friend. She was a friend of my wife's and my, you know, my wife and her family were Christian and they, they were trying to help me. And I figured, well, I've made so many mistakes and messed up their lives. I might as well just go who they want me to go see. So I go see this Dolores and she would just counsel me and give me scripture. And Dolores would bring women in from treatment centers and, um, and just kind of mentor them and live there. And this woman named Kate comes in Kate was like in her mid forties, divorced, and she's living with Dolores and she's having a dream every night. And here's the dream. The dream was there's a tall, fair, thin young man. And there's a chain around his neck that goes to an old man laying on the ground. And this young man drags this old man by this chain. And she's having this dream night after night. So Dolores goes, I believe I know what that dream means. It was a prophetic dream that was actually meant for me so I would see Dolores once a week on a Thursday and I go out there and again I was just newly saved I didn't understand dreams and visions and supernatural things so much but what she told me next changed my life um she says Rafe I want to tell you about a dream and I thought what a strange thing to say okay and so I listened to her and she goes there's a tall fair thin young man there's a chain around his neck and there's a chain attached to this old man who's laying on the ground and the young man drags the man by the chain she points at me and she says Rafe this dream is for you you are the young man and the chain represents the absolute bondage you're in to seeking your father's approval and you're dragging this issue throughout your life as you get older and I, I just started weeping just like like man I never could have come up to that conclusion if someone asked me it was so deep in me 
Right. Though I tell you that this woman had gone to Living Free Recovery Services and she told me that I should go there if I'm looking for a treatment program. So that's how I ended up going to Living Free because she had just graduated there. Wow. And yeah, that was a very powerful experience. And uh, yeah, as I said, I went to that treatment center and I got filled with the spirit and my life really changed just dramatically from that, those experiences. Can you tell me about how you started to learn about deliverance? Yes, I can. How I learned. Okay. Because um, it was your own experience, correct? Well, correct. So I have to just tell you my testimony. So I, um, I never drank again after 2003. I mean, I, I just, I was sober and I've been sober since then. And uh, I was married and I went back to school to be a counselor and, you know, I was in ministry and, um, but I had this area of my life that I couldn't overcome no matter what I did. I was bound to pornography and masturbation and, and, you know, I was married and I, I hated it, but I could not stop it no matter what it was just, it was just, it was as strong as addiction as drinking was. And I went to a lust-free group. I had accountability partner. They told me to pray, read scripture. I did everything. And I just figured like, maybe I'm going to have to live with this for the rest of my life. Maybe I'm just mm -hmm. too weak. Maybe I, I'm doing everything they tell me. And yeah, I had been in Bible college and they had said, you know, a Christian can't have a demon. So I believe that. And, and so I didn't know what to do. And wow. um, I was in a Bible college at that time still. And I had a textbook that I really liked for one of our classes. And I went to his website to purchase another book. I was going to give it to a friend. And uh, his name was C. Peter Wagner. He's now passed on, if you know him. And um, he had a healing and deliverance conference in Phoenix, Arizona in November of 2009. And me and my wife were going to get out of town for a short, you know, weekend just to get away in the nice weather. And um, she goes, what's the name of that uh, conference again? And I go, I can't remember his name. I said, just Google healing and deliverance conference. And four of them came up the same weekend. I think. Phoenix, Arizona is like the deliverance capital of America. And uh, she goes, well, which one is it? And the one that I wanted to go was like $300. And we found another one that was free. And they just advertise it as, you know, dealing with sin issues, addictions, can't break free, come experience Jesus to deliver or something. She goes, well, how about we go to this one? And I said, yeah, I don't care. So she called this woman. This woman's name is um, Eleanor. So Eleanor was in her late 50s. Probably she had a small ministry in Phoenix. And my wife calls her and talks to her briefly. And then she says, Rafe, you should call this woman. I, I really like her. So I call her and I said, Hey, you talk to my wife. We're thinking about coming out to your seminar next week. And uh, she interrupts me and she says, Hey, uh, I think I'm supposed to pray for you on the phone because I, I feel that God's leading me to do this. You know, I'm booked out with phone appointments and face to face, but she goes, find a week or she goes, find a day next week where you're undisturbed for about an hour and I'll pray for you on the phone. Now, I haven't told her anything. And I said, okay. And and, she goes, and then we come out to the conference. I said, sure. So my dad was out of town. Um, he lived alone. My mom and dad were divorced. So I went over to his house and I called her. I don't know what to expect. And she just goes, are right, you ready, Rafe? And I go, sure. So she starts trying to do kind of your more inner healing techniques and asking about, you know, um, how was my relation with my dad and, you know, Holy Spirit touching broken areas of the little boy of Rafe and, 
you know, and she goes, you, how you, how you feel, Rafe? And I go, I'm fine. She goes, anything happening? And I go, no, and, well, I don't know what should be happening. And <laughs> she goes, well, maybe, and I said, and I interrupted her. I said, you know what? I'm not saying I don't have an issue here, but I actually had a, I've done a lot of work about things with my dad and I forgave him. And I actually teach a lot of this stuff and I'm not saying that I couldn't have something there, but she was okay. Is there anything I could pray for? And now I'm kind of, I mean, she's a stranger to me. I've never met her face to face. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, this is kind of embarrassing to tell her what I'm involved mm -hmm. in. I said, but what do I got to lose? I said, I've done everything. And I said, I'll just tell you, I said, I can't get free from pornography. I can't get free from masturbation. I, I am so bound to this. And she goes, okay, well, let's, let's just pray for that. She was very calm. And this was just her method. She goes, all right, you ready, Rafe? And I have no idea what's going to happen. And she says, um, she goes, who are you? I command the spirit inside of this man, the ruling spirit, to identify yourself. Who are you? And a demon spoke through me. Mm. I mean, it was freaky. And it goes, lust. Um, how did you get in this man? And she goes, the demon goes, Anna. What did Anna do? Prostitution. And she goes, you and everyone under your authority, I'm just trying to remember um, exactly. Mm -hmm. She goes, renounce your claim, come out of this man. And I thought I was going to, <clears throat> oh, I thought I was going to throw up like a mm -hmm. dry heave. And I just let out a guttural scream like, Duh. and I fell to the floor flat on my face and my body was convulsing. And these spirits just came out of me. Just, And then my body went completely limp. And I could hear her going, Rafe, Rafe, are you there? And I picked, I'm sitting on the floor face down on a hardwood floor going, what the heck just happened to me? How, how is this real? Like, I know it's real, but like, it, you know, it was, I'm trying to figure it out and it's just crazy. And I pick up the phone. She goes, you all right, Rafe? And I said, yeah. She goes, it's a little strange the first time, huh? And I go, yes, it is. So that was my introduction. Now, let me give you the second piece. This is wow. so fascinating. My dad dies two years later. And we're getting ready for his funeral. So we're preparing. He's on hospice. And my aunt is getting pictures from his life to prepare for the funeral. She brings a picture from 1947. My dad was five years old. And it's a family photo. And everyone's very young. So I don't recognize everybody. She goes, there's your grandma. There's your grandpa. There's... Um, there's your aunt, there's your uncle. There was a very attractive woman that stood out who was, you know, she looked a lot older. She still had blonde hair. And I go, who's that woman? And she goes, oh, that was your great aunt, Anna. She was the bad one of the family. She was actually the woman who the demon gave the name about of how it got in the bloodline. Wow. And the hair on my <laughs> arms just stood up. And um, I'm going, oh, my gosh. So and then I went out there. We went through a bunch of deliverance. But how did I get into it? So I came back and I was a counselor. And I was running a, an outpatient group. And I had a woman who was drinking five out of seven days, vodka all day long. And we had a policy. If you are honest about relapsing, we won't kick you out. After two weeks, she's drinking 10 out of 14 days. But she's being honest. And I said, hey, I can't keep you here. I said, I thanks for your honesty, but I need to refer you to a high level of care. And she goes, what does that mean? And I go, like an inpatient program. And she gets mad at me. And she goes, 
I've been to all of them. I've been to every treatment program there is. They don't work. And I'm kind of frustrated. And I had told some people my testimony about what happened. And I go, what do you want me to do? And she goes, this is a curse. This is a demon. Can't you pray for me, Rafe? Can't, why can't what happened to you happen to me? So she kind of put my feet to the fire. And I, I had never prayed for somebody. So, and I, you know, I don't want to be false. And I'm like, I'm not going to say God did this. And now I'm not willing to help somebody. So this was the first time I ever prayed for somebody. I said, come to my office tomorrow and I'll pray for you. Friday was a non-work day. So she comes to my office. I pray in tongues and I just beg God, God, please show up. They don't make me look stupid. Because <laughs> I'm thinking if I pray and nothing happens, I'm going to look like an idiot. Yeah. She comes in and I just let her through some form prayers, repent of alcoholism, generational alcoholism. And I just commanded, I said, I break the curse of alcoholism. I command any spirit that came in through this curse to come out. And her body starts convulsing uncontrollably on my desk. I was facing her like, you know, you'd face someone across the desk. Her mascara is running. And I'm getting a little scared because it's like two minutes and her body's just convulsing. And I'm going, what am I going to do? Call the cops? I mean, what do I do if she doesn't stop? And all of a sudden her body goes limp. And she looks up at me. And she goes, Rafe, it's gone. And I go, how do you know? She goes, because there's something that's been with me almost my whole life. I can feel it's not there anymore. She wow. was set free from alcoholism. Um, you know, that was the first time I ever prayed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank you, Lord, that she showed up. And I told wow. her, I said, you know, there's some sensitivity around deliverance ministry. I, I said, I'm not going to tell you what to say or not say you're a grown woman, but understand how this might be perceived. Well, what do you think she does? She shouts it from the rooftops and says, Rafe prayed for me and I got set free. And then all this attention came to me and people, you know, some people loved me. Some people thought I was lost my mind. And yeah, that was the beginning of all the controversy. And but that was how I got into it, actually, uh, just kind of little by little by little and more and more and more. And yeah. So I just want to thank you for listening because. This is definitely an, a ministry that has gotten a lot of flack. Why mm -hmm. is that? Why? Because it says in the Bible, cast, you know, yeah. freely you receive, freely you re freely you give. You know, like he tells us to cast out demons. Like it's it's just what Jesus tells us to do. Why is this such a controversial ministry? Well, I'll give you a couple of my own opinions. One is there's people like you a therapist and which you do good work and we need therapists, but a lot of people believe that what Jesus used to cast out. Now we send people to mental health therapists. So a lot of things that are demons, we just think, well, it's a, it's an issue. We'll send them a psychiatrist meds. It's a mental health issue. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's kind of our worldview in America. If anyone's dealing with a problem, especially mentally, even addictions, if they have an addiction, they go to a treatment center. Um, a lot of people aren't discerning that there's demons in people. I mean, I was the same way. You know, I didn't think I had a demon in me or many of them that were creating addiction to pornography and sexual fantasies and lust. So that's one reason. It's, it's just our worldview in the West. The second is... Most people in Bible college are not trained to do deliverance, and they're actually taught Christians can have demons. So most people who run a church aren't thinking that there's people in demons in their congregation. The third one is 
there's people who understand deliverance, but they're too afraid to preach it or do it because they're afraid of being labeled on the lunatic fringe. It will scare their congregation. And I hate to be this honest, but most churches are run like a business. It's they don't want to lose money. The bottom line is if, if we lose customers, we lose money. And I'm not going to take a risk to do this. Um, so I think there's a theological problem where people don't understand Christians can have demons. Most pastors are not properly trained in it, especially in America. And then our worldview is, you know, we just think any problem that can't be solved, there's a rational explanation, you know, treatment, medication, counseling. So those are the three reasons I think that we're not dealing in deliverance. Awesome answer. <clears throat> so how how do we know the difference between if somebody does have a mental health issue or a demon? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Cause sometimes they look alike. I'll give you an example. I had a, a guy who, after I prayed for that woman in his treatment center, he came to me and he was in a, um, he worked in a, like a warehouse where they had compressed air and compressed air tanks. And there was a explosion and this compressed air blew up right near him and very traumatic. The explosion happened like right, you know, close to him where it affected him. He'd gone to, he was in all kinds of therapy and they had diagnosed him with PTSD, a post-traumatic stress disorder from this explosion. And he wanted me to pray for him. And I just started praying for him and uh, I commanded the spirit of fear to come out of him. And it came out very, very dramatically. And after it came out, he said he felt completely different. So what had been diagnosed as PTSD was actually a spirit of fear that was tormenting him and just bringing back images of the accident. So, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit has to show you. And I, I think the, the error is... We either think it's all mental health, it's all natural, or it's all demons. You know, we don't need mental health. We just need deliverance ministers. I think you need both. So um, not everything's a demon, but everything's not a demon either. You know, so I, I think professionals, whether they're professionally mental health like you, can kind of diagnose somebody. But then someone who's, you know, who flows in the Holy Spirit, maybe does deliverance ministry, the Holy Spirit will give them you know, revelation, because a lot of people who have demons have been in mental health their whole life. I mean, they've been in counseling for so long. That's usually, usually when someone has a mental health issue, they don't go to a deliverance minister, they go to a mental health therapist. And if you have, if you can't overcome a mental health issue after 20 years, it quite possibly is a demon. So usually you come to that conclusion after you've tried everything and it's not working, then it might be spiritual. Okay, I think that's good what you just said there. And if it continues, then it could be. Mm -hmm. How have you stayed strong? How have I stayed strong? Mm -hmm. um, I just cry myself to sleep every night and wake up for a new day. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've taken a lot of hits. Uh, I mean, anyone yeah. who knows me knows that I'm I'm easygoing. I'm, I'm, um, well, I think I'm easy you know, to be around. I think I'm likable, just my personality. I'm pretty fun, funny. And, but I've taken a lot of shots theologically, especially when, you know, when you're saying Christians have demons, you, you're criticized so much. Um, mm -hmm. 
so it, it took me a while to get stronger because, you know, you want people to like you and accept you. And, you know, I thought if they don't like what I believe, you know, I kind of took it personal and I've gone through kind of a season of not taking it personal, like, um, deliverance ministry brings so much rejection from people. And most of the rejection is from church people. It's not from sinners, pagans mm -hmm. who don't know God. It's always Christians who theologically don't believe. So, you know, I've had to forgive and um, just move on. And you would not believe, Heidi, how many people in the last year that I've seen, five, six, who have come up to me and said, Rafe, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And they go, I just need to tell you this. When I first met you, I thought you were crazy. The things you taught and talked about, I just missed you. I, did, I just didn't think it could be real. And they go, I've changed my mind. I know what you talk about is the truth. And I actually think I need deliverance. But they'll say, I judged you so harshly when I first met you. Um, and I kind of laugh. So <laughs> I said, you're not the first or the last. But yeah, there's resistance just kind of with criticism. There's spiritual resistance. One night I, I, I felt like it felt like depression came out of nowhere. And I was praying because I'm usually not like someone who gets depressed. And it just it hit me so hard. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, this is witchcraft being done against you. Wow. Um, so there was, you know, there's spiritual attacks that, um, you know, you just got to keep going and know that God has called you to it. And mm. here's an interesting situation I had after I left my first job. I mean, they kind of pushed me out on living free. I, I mean, we just we agreed to separate. I said, you know, we're on two different worlds. I'm, I said, either we got to grow together in deliverance, but I, I, I can't shut off what I know to be true. And that helps right. people. Right. And I was asking the Lord, I said, you know what, it seems to be that like deliverance is creating more problems than it's helping. I'm like, Lord, I don't understand this. And he spoke to me and he said, do you desire this because you desire it? Or do you desire this because I've caused you to desire it? And when I knew that, I didn't, I knew that I didn't choose this on my own because most people mm -hmm. who are sane don't choose things that are going to bring a lot of persecution against them yeah, yeah so knowing that god has called me to it and you know this is his ministry i'm not a you know deliverance ministry isn't something i came up with it's it's jesus's stuff yes and that helps me to endure to just keep pushing through regardless of circumstances well thank you for doing it yeah. can you talk about what you're what you're doing now and then i'd love for you to pray um, talk mm -hmm. about your church and what you're doing. I know you guys have deliverance nights every Friday. Talk about what's going on right now in your life. Yeah, I'm just running the church. Um, you know, I do a discipleship group and I run a recovery group. Our, our church is geared a lot towards people in addiction, but it's for anybody, as I say, everybody's addicted to something, whether it's sin or overcoming sins of the past, hurts of the past. So, you know, it's a church for everybody, but it's really a church where I can teach deliverance from the pulpit we do deliverance each week publicly I mean people see it they know it's real Jesus didn't take people in back rooms and say hey don't talk about this he did it publicly because deliverance is a demonstration of the power of God and people mm. need to see it right before their eyes to see mm. deliverance happen so you know maybe it doesn't get wild every week but you know sometimes it does and sometimes different people wander in you know word of mouth but you know, who need deliverance. And so I do that. And I, I still help out a little bit at um, Teen Challenges and on-call counselor, just, um, 
you know, because I still have a license. So I do that. But that's a lot of what my time is doing. And I'm, you know, just trying to do a lot more teaching. And I know I'd like to start a podcast and blogging. So that takes a lot of time. And, you know, I have three kids and my youngest boy, I spend a lot of time with him, basketball and coaching him. So awesome. Yeah. So, and then your website, can you share what your website is? Yeah, it's www.truthandfreedomchurch.com. So all our information's there. And I'm, I'm still like, like I said, we've only been up for six months, but I'm trying to really put a lot of teaching on there, especially deliverance stuff, Holy Spirit stuff. You know, I guess a couple of the things that God's called me to do are more of the more controversial topics is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, mm. the gifts of the Spirit, yep. deliverance. They all kind of flow together, but a lot of yep. theological disagreement there. So um, I'd like to get a lot of content, you know, on my website and I'll be getting that up in the in the coming days and a YouTube channel. And I've got some people willing to help me to do that. So little by little, I really want to get a lot of information for people who are interested in deliverance. And I do a lot of deliverance during the week, a lot of one-on-one. Okay. Not really doing, but I always have, you know, if I pray for a woman, I have a woman with me. So yep. two-on-one if I'm a man, but doing in you know, more individual deliverance ministry. So sometimes you can't do it all at the altar. There's not enough time and you right. know, privacy would be more conducive to them receiving. So people can reach out to you for that as well. Yeah, they can just yeah. send go down to the bottom and just send me an email. It'll just register okay. and say, hey, I'd like to set up a time for deliverance. And usually just we talk and then we set something up and they come awesome. down and, and we pray for them. But that's the main way that we do deliverance is because deliverance can be public deliverance. I mean, sometimes when you're you have a hundred people, you can't meet a hundred people one on one and you're doing more of a group deliverance. But you know, it's always the best when you can be a little more private and you know, then you can I, I describe it like this. Sometimes public deliverance is like a teeth cleaning at the dentist, but sometimes people need to have a root canal done. You need a little more intensive work and yes. you know, another visit to do it. So, because usually people are not just dealing with one demon. There's you know, mm -hmm. many of them, generational things and demons can attach to emotional pain. So mm -hmm. um, they can be behind addictions. You know, they can be behind negative thoughts you know, they can be behind a lot of things if people have been in false religion idolatry so there's a lot of areas that you need to cover to really help people get completely free yeah well thank you so much for this um is there anything else you'd like to share before praying for the listeners well um deliverance is as i say this jesus is the same yesterday today and forever he doesn't change so and this is kind of how I advertise deliverance. If Jesus is the same and doesn't change, why is deliverance not being done? Has Jesus changed or has the church changed? I would say the church has changed. He's the deliverer. You know, first of all, people, I, I talked a little bit of this before, but if you have a problem and you've tried everything and it won't go away, no matter what you do, you've been to counseling, you've been on meds, you've been in treatment centers and you can't overcome, it's probably spiritual. It's probably a demon. So you know, if you need deliverance, we're just one avenue out there in the community that, you know, we're a resource for you. So go to our website, reach out to me, reach out to Heidi. Uh, we're willing to help you. I believe God raised up our church to meet these needs of, of deliverance. So, and there's no shame in having a demon. Um, I tell people there's no shame in having a demon. The shame is being too prideful to think that you could have a demon. Yes. And demons love to hide in people and they'll give people all kinds of excuses of why you know, to hide themselves. So 
You can have your dignity or you can have your deliverance. You can't have both. You know, but it's really about freedom. And he's the God of freedom. He's the deliverer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you need deliverance, reach out. And we're more than willing to help you. It's wonderful. Thank you, Rafe. Sure. Let's pray for you. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Whatever. Just let Holy Spirit lead. Yes. I, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, the words that were spoken today just touch people's hearts. Lord, bring revelation and understanding, even regarding deliverance. Lord, people who maybe right where I was, Lord, that you'd speak to them and know that maybe they're dealing with something that's not them, that is a foreign enemy that has come into them and they need to be set free from it. Lord, I pray that people that need deliverance for lifting, you bring them to a place where they can experience you, Jesus, the deliverer. Lord, I pray that people who have questions about deliverance, Lord, that you'd answer them. Even you yourself, Lord, speak to people in dreams and visions. Bring them to books that have been written. Bring them to websites. But Lord, you're the deliverer. So, Lord, I ask that you would just multiply the understanding about what deliverance is. And deliverance comes from you and no man. Lord, this is your ministry. So touch the people who need deliverance, Lord. Pique their curiosity to seek after the truth. And Lord, I ask that you bless Heidi and her ministry and everything that she's doing. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank the you last so thing much, I'll Rick. say is, and this is very important, deliverance is not about demons. Deliverance is about Jesus. It's not about demons. Okay. Jesus Deliverance is about Jesus. So magnify Jesus. It's not about demons. It's Jesus' power over demons. That's what deliverance is. Come on. Amen. Thank you so much, Rafe. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread mental health awareness with Jesus at the Center. You can also check me out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or my website at HeidiMortensenLMFT.com. See you at our next episode.